Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. I want you to go to Philippians chapter 4. My wife is here with me, Faith Reynolds, right over here, and I'm so thankful she could. Uh, we, we look for any opportunity to get away from our kids. Can I get an amen from other parents in here tonight? And uh, so it's like, hey, we're going to, you know, we could have brought the kids, but we're like, no, it's an opportunity to get away from them. And they outnumber us. We have four. We have two. We, have, we had a boy, then a girl, then a boy, then a girl. And uh, so we've got a Titus as well. Uh, we've got Titus as our 13-year-old. We've got Zoe, who is nine years old, going on 18, it seems like, uh, the way she uh, acts. But uh, then we've got Silas, who's about to be seven. Seven? That just seems too old. He's about to be seven at the end of the month, and then Kelly, our, our, our last, and it is our last, Kelly will be three on the 28th, so just a couple weeks away. And uh, on the 28th is also my six-year anniversary of being the pastor at Gethsemane Baptist Church. I came on staff there as a youth pastor back in 2006, and I'm 38, but man, I tell you, every time I tell how long I've been there, I just feel older and older. I did a, a, a wedding, almost at a funeral, it was a wedding, I did a wedding this past week for one of the girls that grew up in our teen department, and she got married, and she was 30. And I was standing at the, at the altar like, I am, I am getting old, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But uh, I, still, I still like that I, I, I think I look young. I think I do. I went to uh, Vaughn's uh, a couple years ago, and I think I was 35. I went to Vaughn's, and I love root beer. Uh, I, I, so it was like IBC root beer or something like that. It came in a glass bottle. And, and if you're like, Pastor, avoid the appearance of evil, okay, you do that. I don't have a problem with buying IBC root beer. And so I went, and I was buying something of that nature, and, and it was really just beer. But I went and I bought that, and uh, no, it was root beer. And I, and I got to the, the cash register at Vaughn's, you know, and you walk up, and I put it down, and she goes, can I see your ID, please? And I said, ma'am, there's two things. First of all, at the time, I'm 35 years old. Secondly, it says root beer. And I'm like, how long's your shift been here, you know? Have you been here three days? Did they lock you in? You need to go home and get a nap. But anyway, I like, I like looking young. That's okay. I want to preach tonight, tonight a message out of Philippians chapter number 4, and uh, th again, thank you for being in church. I thank our people all the time. I know you, you get busy and, and travel and traffic, and, and uh, well, we're in L.A. County. We got a little bit worse than you, okay, but uh, with traffic and everything, I, I think, I, I'm assuming, but uh, I'm always glad to see God's people in His house, and it just beats watching online. It really does, and if that's what you can do is watch online, God bless you, and uh, you do that. But I'm, I'm so thrilled to be able to be here tonight and preach a message that, you know, normally when uh, you get asked to speak somewhere, you go through, you may have like, you maybe have dog-eared some messages that you're like, okay, I could preach that one there, and I could preach this. This was a message I've preached one time at our church, but God just, um, from the moment that I really began praying about this, which was this morning, no, I'm kidding, I've been praying for it for a while, uh, but when I really started praying about it, 
uh, it seemed like the Lord just wouldn't let me get away from this message. It was on my brain, and, and then it was just, it just stayed there. So I don't know. I, I like that I don't know anything going on in your church. You may not need this message at all. It may be something you need a year from now. But uh, I want to give you what the Lord has laid on my heart tonight out of Philippians chapter number 4. We're going to look at three verses tonight. And uh, because I am so good at coming up with titles, I have entitled this message, Peace. Isn't that, you think about that for a minute, just let that sink in, write it in your notes, I mean, get ready, because that's, that's the best title you've ever heard. I remember a preacher preaching one time, a message, and it was, when God raises Cain, wait, no, no, not when God raises Cain, when Satan raises Cain, God is still able. And I was like, that's a great title. I don't remember one thing the preacher said, but that was a great title. So tonight, you may not remember the simplest title you've ever heard, peace, but I hope you'll remember something that is said in the message tonight and that it would be a help to you. Philippians chapter 4, and uh, such a wonderful book that Paul wrote while in prison. I want you to look at verses 5, 6, and 7 tonight. The Bible says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, there it is, that's the result, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. I want to preach tonight on that, on the peace of God of God. And, and, and really, I don't know how you feel about peace. I don't know if you think it's just something that, that happens to you, and, and sometimes you have peace because peaceful things happen, or if you feel more aggressive with it where you have to go and battle for peace. Peace and battle don't seem to go together. War and peace seem to be opposite, but I want to tell you tonight that if you're going to have peace in your life, if you're going to live a life lived and defined by the peace of God, it does take a battle. It does take work, and so we're going to talk about that. Let's pray together. Father, I pray as we get started tonight with the message that, uh, Lord, that you would have your will and way. Holy Spirit, we pray for you to work tonight. Lord, people don't need to hear my voice. People need to hear your voice. And I pray this evening that that though the outside, we're listening with our ears, I pray more importantly on the inside, we're, we're in tune to your voice, Holy Spirit. And so speak to us about this thing tonight that we need, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You've heard the story before, in the late 1800s there was a man by the name of Horatio, and he had lost so much of his, uh, of his wealth and real estate holdings in the great Chicago fire when Mrs. O'Leary's cow kicked over the, 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 the lantern or whatever and started the fire there. Well, he lost so much property and so much money. He needed some time away, so he sent his wife and his four daughters on a ship headed to Europe. Now, he was going to join them later, but he was actually helping the great D.L. Moody and his song leader, Ira Sankey, he was helping them with some revival work in Great Britain, so he was going to head there. But a disaster happened, as you may know the story, he received a telegram from his wife that the ship had gone down. And And the telegram said, saved alone. Lost his four daughters on that trip. On the return trip back with his wife, they came to the place where his daughters were lost at sea. And as they passed by that place, he he marked that sad spot with, with some words that you probably know. 
as they passed over that area of land there, he said or penned these words. H.G. Spafford said, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, God has taught me to say, what? It is well. It is well with my soul. You see, that, that song takes on a lot more meaning when you know what happened behind the scenes of that song. When you know that his four daughters were lost at sea and drowned and killed, and he's coming over the spot where his heart was broken, where things happened, that he, irreparable damage he would never get over. And as he passed over that, he talked about peace. He talks about peace. I kind of tell you something, that, that peace doesn't mean that you have no bad surroundings. Peace doesn't mean that you have no trouble. Peace doesn't mean that you have no issues in your life, or that the government isn't bad, or that politicians aren't this way, or that, or however you feel about it. Peace is different. Peace is a different thing. Our, our world is severely lacking in peace. I think about Ukraine. We have a missionary to Ukraine in our church Sunday night. Uh, I think about uh, not only in our world there, there and wars and rumors of, war, of wars, in our world there is severely lacking peace, but our country is severely lacking peace. Our country is severely lacking peace. And I expect it to ramp up again in about two years when there's another election, or probably before that. But there's political unrest, there's racial discord, there's all these things. But I, what I find amazing, I don't find it amazing that the world is not at peace. I don't find it amazing that, that uh, uh, you know, the country is not at peace. I find it amazing that Christians are not at peace. And there is so much fretting and worrying and nail-biting, and, and we say things like, well, it's just a stressful time right now. We say things like, well, you know how it is in America, or, or can the government get any worse, or I just need to get through this busy month. And what we're really saying is, I don't have peace. I don't have peace. Things are tough. You're allowed to go through trials. In fact, you are kind of forced to go through them. But you're not forced to go through without peace. We all need the peace of God in our lives. What is peace? Very simply, it means harmony. It means tranquility. And so, you know, you've got musicians playing instruments, and they're playing notes on the guitar, and all this, they're forming together all these different notes to make something beautiful, and it becomes a harmony. And all the different things in life that happen, you can still form something beautiful. I think it's still God that says that we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. We still have a God that can take anything that happens in your life and form something good out of it. We still have a God we can trust. So why is it that, that we don't have peace? Why is it that we live in fear sometimes, or we live in, you know, we, we get something, uh, you know, we, we, we find that uh, we have a cough or something, so we go to WebMD and find out we have cancer. You ever go to WebMD? It's cancer.com. Whatever you have, I heard somebody cough. If you go to WebMD, you, you just got diagnosed, okay? So I'm saying there's so many things in life that, that really want to rob you of peace, and you can see it with people pulling out their hair and just... And we need some tranquility. I have, I have this YouTube channel that I like to watch sometimes when I'm preparing a message or something. And uh, it's really, um, it's, I think it's called My Tranquility or something like that. And what it is, it's like they, they take a video camera and they go to like Bora Bora or something. And they have the video camera like record the waves for a while. And then it like loops after, after and it's just peaceful and relaxing. 
I have a beach like three miles away, but I don't do that. I watch it on TV because, you know, that's what we do. And, uh, but uh, every time I turn one on and I'm like, okay, I just want to relax a little bit. I'm going to watch this as I'm thinking, meditating or whatever. And uh, every time I turn one on, if I see someone in the picture, I turn it off immediately. Because to me, I'm like, I'm an introvert. I don't want people around, you know. I'm like, I, I want to just have it, no people there. If I'm going to have peace and tranquility. But you know what I found in Southern California, in L.A. County, in Long Beach? Uh, you can't get away from people. You can't get away from problems. And so peace is necessary. And I wonder tonight if, if you could say that you live in a state of peace. A state of peace. Worry is the enemy. Peace is the goal. And so if you're not careful, one or the other, one will dominate your thinking. And so I want to give you tonight just three thoughts that I see from this scripture passage here. And we're going to actually work backwards through these verses, which I think will help us to understand it. Because there's some interesting phrases there that are like, what does that even mean? Why is that there? And so I want to work backwards just quickly here uh, to show you some things. First of all, I want you to see in this area of peace, I want you to see in verse 7 the protection of peace. The protection of peace. Look at verse 7, if you would. The Bible says, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall do what? It shall keep, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What does that mean, it shall keep? It's going to guard. It's going to protect your heart and mind. Peace is a protection. Peace is a protection for your heart and mind. Against what? Well, verse 6 tells us, be careful for nothing. Careful, full of care. Anxious. Be full of care for nothing. The, word, uh, the, the Greek word there for careful, for anxious or worry is merim now, and it deals with thoughts and the mind. In fact, every time you see it in Scripture, it's dealing with the thoughts and the mind. When Jesus said, I believe it's in Matthew chapter 6, when he said, take no thought for tomorrow, or take no thought for what you'll eat, take no thought, it's the same Greek word merim now as we see here for careful. He's saying, don't worry, don't worry. And here we say, don't be full of care, don't, don't be full of worry all the time. But here's the interesting thing. It says, be careful for nothing, for nothing. That's interesting to me. Now, when Jesus said this, and when we're reading it here, we need to realize where this battle is taking place. It's taking place in the mind. It's taking place in the mind, and that's the battlefield. Now, in the book of Philippians, if you study through it, you will find that there are some major themes in Philippians. You'll find that joy, of course, is a a major theme in Philippians, and you'll study further, and you'll see that the gospel is a major theme in the book of Philippians, and you'll see that the name of Jesus, or Christ, is a major theme, because Christ is the theme of everything in Scripture, but you'll find it in there. But what I really find to be the real theme of Philippians is not joy. What I find to be the theme of Philippians is your mind. Controlling your mind. Now, we don't hear a lot about that, mind control. It sounds like something you watched on Twilight Zone in the 70s or whatever, but uh, mind control and all that. But it is a battle that happens in your mind. Can I ask you a question tonight? This is going to seem like a weird question. Where do you carry your worry? Where do you carry it? Some people, they feel it in their shoulders. When things are stressful, when I'm worried, it's just, uh, it's got that knot in my neck again. Some people carry it in their stomach, and now there's a stomach ache, and oh, it's just my, my stomach's in knots right now because of all this stuff I got going on. Some people, it's, hey, you look, this, it's a busy time, I just got to go take a nap. And other people are like, I got to take a nap, but they can't sleep. 
and you get like restless leg syndrome or something going on, and you're like, I'm trying to sleep, I'm trying to re rejuvenate, I'm trying to get some peace and escape, and I can't even sleep. Where do you carry your worry? Everybody seems to carry it in some way or another, and, but I'll tell you where you really are carrying it, you're really carrying it in your mind. That's where the worry is happening. Now, when your mind gets, when the, when the worry gets into your mind, it doesn't stay there. It affects your heart and feelings. And now the worry comes in, and the thoughts come in, and the doubts come in, and now you begin to worry, and your feelings get into it, and now it begins to affect your body, and it's just this cascading effect that you don't have peace, and it's causing this, which causes this, which causes this, which causes this. Two weeks ago on a Sunday night, I, for some reason, I, I, I keep thinking that I'm, I'm still as, as uh, you know, as physically capable as I was as a teenager, and I was playing basketball after a Sunday night service with our guys, and, and we were having fellowships through the month of July after the evening services. We had a great time. First three weeks of basketball, I was, I was okay. I was all right, you know? And I'm at this point now where I'm going to shoot a three-pointer and stand in the lane, and that's about what I'm going to do. But uh, I was playing. And uh, I remember uh, I was at the top of the key. Our team was winning, too. And I shot, uh, somebody shot, and so I ran to get the rebound. And when I took a step back with this foot, my calf just popped. I tore a muscle in my calf. I hit the ground, boom. And I was just, uh, you know, our, our church people are so kind and so good. They're like, get the wheelchair. Somebody get ice. And I stood up, and I was like, I'd rather die. I'm going to walk it off. You know, and I'm just like, you know, doing this number. I could barely, I, we live five houses down. I walked home. Like, that was not the right call. Like, I should have been like, you know, hey, deacon, carry me, something, you know. Like, I, I shouldn't have walked home. I'm still in pain over this. But you know what I found about that injury, the craziest thing, is that because that calf was torn, I was sore and like everywhere else. Because now I'm doing this number, my hips are sore, my back's out of place, this leg's all sore. And when one part of the body gets kind of messed up, other parts are compensating and they, they, they become painful. When you don't have peace in your life, other parts of you are affected. So there is absolutely a need for peace, but if you can control the worry and the care and the fear in your mind and it stop it there, then it will prevent it from going to the body stress, which stress is the worst thing for your health anyway, and your emotions will follow that. But it's got to stop right here. You know, your mind has a tremendous effect on your body. I read the story of a Navy SEAL who, who went to uh, the SEAL camp for the first time, and I think he got some kind of pneumonia, double pneumonia or something, and they said, you can't continue. Then he came back and he broke his leg, and they said, you can't continue. You only get three shots. And so he, he, he said, this time I'm going back, and I'm staying. I'm not getting out of this thing. I'm, I'm sticking around. I'm going to make it through. I'm going to become a Navy SEAL and all this kind of stuff. I think it was the first week on a run, he felt his shins just aching in pain. He had fractures all through his shins. And he, you know, just, he, he was heartbroken because if he quits now, if he says, or if he even tells somebody at the base what's going on, then he's done for. So he decides to get there at 3 a.m. in the morning. And he took a sock, I don't know if they're like tube socks or what, that goes all the way up to the knee. And he took that sock and he put it all the way up to his knee and he took duct tape. And he wrapped his entire legs, not together, but separately, in duct tape. Then he put another sock on top of that, and he wrapped those in duct tape. And he proceeded to run the 20 miles that was due. 
He did it for six weeks. But he passed. He said, how, how did you even do that? How could you conquer that? He said, because I conquered my mind. Conquered my mind. Now, we don't talk a lot about that. We don't talk a lot about mind. But I want to tell you, the Bible talks a lot about your mind. In fact, God says, and uh, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that it's the renewing of your mind that brings transformation. We have all these things in our mind that come and distort our thinking when we're supposed to be thinking biblically. And we have all these problems. A lot of counseling, really, that pastors do is trying to change people's thinking. Because we just have wrong thinking. And the Bible says so much about it that if you can get your mind right, the peace of God will protect you. It'll give you protection. But look what it says in verse 7 there. It says, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding. The word passeth there means to surpass in value even. Means it's more valuable to have peace than to even understand things. Have you ever looked at something and thought, I can't understand this? I can't understand why our country is doing this, or why this person did this. You know what is better than all that is the peace of God, because you won't understand everything, but you can have peace. You can live with peace in your life. And maybe our prayer should be, God, I don't need to understand, I just need you and I need peace. But it says the peace of God which passes, passes understanding, again, talking about your mind. Talking about your mind. So how can we do that? How can we allow this peace? to protect our hearts and minds. I want you to look at verse 6. I want to talk to you about the prescription for peace. Peace will protect your heart. Peace will protect your mind. Peace will keep you from staying up all night worrying and developing that stomach ulcer, you know, and, and drinking Pepto for three nights straight. Hey, peace can help with some of this stuff. And God wants you to have peace. Peace, leave I with you. Peace, give I unto you, Jesus said. He wants us to have peace. But how do we get it? I want you to see the prescription for peace. Now, this verse, verse 6 here, is the verse that tells us how to get peace in our lives. We need to listen to this verse. Verse 6 says this, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Be careful for nothing is a big statement. Nothing? Don't be full of care for anything? Don't, don't, don't have the anxiety and worry over anything. What if you got to go to the hospital? What if a family member is sick? There's prayer and there's worry. A lot of our prayers sometimes are just worries out loud, though. We're not trusting, we're worrying. So what's the answer? I like how it says here the opposites. Be careful for nothing but in everything. We have nothing, we have everything. Be careful for nothing, but in everything do this. So if you're going to avoid, if you're going to be able to do, to have a worry and nothing, then you have to do everything a certain way. Nothing versus everything. And then it says careful and peace. Careful, uh, being full of care is the opposite of peace. I had recently, um, uh, I think it was, it was in May. I was getting ready on a Wednesday. I went to, went to church, and it was while school was still in session. So it was right at the end of school. And uh, I, I was teaching Bible class in our school at, uh, last year. I'm done now after all these years. And uh, I, I, I went to class. I gave my final exam to the students. We had a, our, our piano recital that night. My son's great piano player. My daughter's doing really well. They're, they're both, they were going to be in the recital. And uh, so I, I was getting ready, and I, and I just had like some back pain and some stomach pain, and I thought, you know, maybe my muscles are sore. Folks, 
what muscles was I talking about? <laughs> you know, what was I, all these muscles were sore, you know? And so, I, I, cause I had just started to try to get back in a little bit of shape and I was doing some push-ups and different things. And, and so I thought, maybe I'm sore. So the night before I was like, well, if I'm sore, I'm gonna push through it, you know, and I'm doing more push-ups or whatever. And I thought, maybe that's just what it is. So, but it got so bad that I, I came home, actually. I, I came home and I said, I'm gonna get the heating pad out. I was laying on my bed and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse, my stomach, my back. And I don't go to the doctor. I probably should go, but, but I don't ever really go. And uh, I told my wife, she's like, well, what do you, what do you need? And I said, take me to the urgent care. She's like, really? And I said, yes. I said, I, am, I can barely stand up. Something is going on right now. So I go to the urgent care. You know, you wait forever in these places. And I go in and I sit down and uh, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, oh, they finally get me back. They're doing blood. Why are you taking my weight when I'm so, you know, I'm in so much pain. Is that so important to tell me I'm overweight? You know, when I'm in uh, ridiculous stuff, you know. And so I'm going back to the room and I'm just, I can't even sit down and walking around. And the doctor comes in and he's like, whoa, whoa, have a seat. You know, and he said, what's going on? I'm like, I'm dying. That's what's going on. Please, something, you know. And so I'm telling him what's going on. He says, go to the emergency room immediately. He said, you're a 10 out of 10. You can't even stand up straight, go to the emergency room. Now, help me with this. When you're, when you're having an emergency, it would seem like people would treat it like it's an emergency, but they do not. Maybe Orange County's better. You know, I would assume in a lot of things, Orange County's better than LA County, right? But uh, I go to the ER of Long Beach Memorial. It's a great hospital. We have people, lots of people that work there. And I walk in, and, I, you know, and the lady could not care less what was going on with me. Take a number, sit down. Give me your money. Give me your, give me your money. You know, it's basically what they want to say to you, you know. And so I go sit down. I'm sitting in the waiting room, and I'm writhing in pain. There's 70 people in there. People are like there for they have a nosebleed. I'm like, why are you at the doctor's office for this? And I'm going nuts. And I'm, and I'm sitting there. I'm dying. I, I get, I'm throwing up in like these little plastic containers. They, oh, oh, come get me. Oh, you know, it's, it's not pretty. Worst pain I've ever been in in my life. Five hours later, I've been doubled up. I'm like, I don't even know where I am at this point. You know, I'm just like, I'm just rocking back and forth. My poor wife is just standing next to me the whole time, rubbing my back, and I'm like, you know, give me that, I'll throw up again, you know, and all that. It's horrible. I find, and, and by the way, we had a lady that expedited the process for me. Five hours. I'm like, God bless you, you know? Get back in. And so they had taken me back and they said, hey, we're going to give you something that's going to take away that pain. And so they, they gave me like one little pill and they said, in 15 minutes, you're going to feel better. That was, that was the hour one of being at the hospital. Four hours later, the pill did nothing. I was like, is this a sugar pill? What have you given me? Is this what, was that a Tylenol? You know, what is this? And so I go back and they finally get me a bed and the doctor comes in all nonchalant. And you know you want them to hurry. Like, you want them to come in, stat, let's get, handle this guy. They don't do that. They don't do that at all. They come in, they're like, what do we got here? You know, and I'm like, Death is happening. Help me, you know? And so finally they get me hooked up to some morphine, which I don't care for morphine. I take it every morning, but I don't care for it. And, <laughs> and so I, they, they, they got me hooked up on it, and I'm sitting in the bed. And, and finally it took it from a 10 to about a 6. And I'm like, okay, okay, I can handle a 6. My appendix, my appendix, it hadn't ruptured yet, but it was, it was getting there. And, said, and he comes back, and the doctor in the ER is like, we think it might be your appendix. You, you 
You know, like, what are you talking about? Like, know something, guy. So anyway, I get surgery that night. I'm going back. You know what they gave, they gave me? Those prescription pills that, they, that didn't work. You know, they gave me those in the hospital. But, but uh, that's what they gave me. I think they're Norco or something like that. I took two of them, and that was it. I was No more of those for me. But uh, they gave me these little prescription bottles when I got out of the hospital. And I have, I think I still have them. I didn't even use them all. You know, I probably should have. I did take the antibiotics, okay? But, you know, when you get over something like that, you have the little prescription pills. And what I see in this scripture here, verse 6, I see a prescription for peace. I see God saying, hey, if you want peace, this is what you do. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, it says this, look at this, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. You see, when there's no peace in your heart, there are reasons. He said, let your request be made known. What requests? Why do I have requests? Because if there's no peace, there's something to pray about. There is a request in there somewhere. So he's saying here, look, if you don't have peace, be careful for nothing. But in everything, then let's just skip down. Let your request be made known unto God. So there is a reason. There is something that you're not letting out. There is something that you're not taking to God. There is something that you are worried about. There are requests there. And if you're not praying those requests, if you're not getting them out and putting them into the hands of God where they should be, then you're not going to get rid of the, then you're not going to get the peace into your life and get rid of the worry. So he's saying the prescription is, look, you've got all these requests in you. Obviously, we can tell that because you're so worried. So what are you doing with those? Well, he says, give them to God. Let your requests be made known unto God uh, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Prayer is just how you make requests to God. It just means to ask. But sometimes something stronger is needed, and that's supplication. Supplication is an urgent plea. Hey, look, when I was in the ER, I was urgently pleading. Please, somebody give me some medicine. I don't care if it's illegal. Do something. You know, I need, I was pleading with them. I was in supplication. So if you're going to deal with the, with the war that's going on inside of you, and by the way, sometimes so it, it, it's, it's not just the things that happen in society. Sometimes it comes from within, and there's things that we all go through in life from chill, childhood to adult. There's traumas, there's wounds, there's problems, and it can just produce no peace. And you can have what feels like war going on. You can feel like you're going crazy sometimes. You need peace. And so what do you do with that? How, how do you handle that? You take those things, every worry, every care, everything. If you want to worry about nothing, then you have to take everything to God in prayer with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Why with thanksgiving? Because being thankful is what God deserves. Being thankful, it, it, why, why would He bless us if we haven't thanked Him for what He's already done? Being thankful helps you to frame the requests in the right way. When you're thankful, you're not coming to God, God, how could you? No, 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 no. Being thankful helps you come to God in the right spirit, in the right mode, and helps you to enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. That's how you get to God, is by being thankful. It also reminds you of God's goodness and answers from the past. It gives humility to your requests now. And when you do that, when you're able to turn all of that over to God, something happens mentally, and then it will happen physically. Your body responds to those emotions, which responds to the mind. By the way, you can even see this in secular science. They will tell you things like this, but it happened to come from the Word of God. But prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. But I know there's another prescription for peace in the Bible. The Bible. 
Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I want peace. Get in the Word of God. I want peace. Take everything, everything to God in prayer. Whatever you think's too little, it's not too little for God. Whatever you think's too big, I got to introduce you to our big God then, because He can handle anything. So you take it all to God. Oh, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. That's the mind. That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. The mind, the mind. God is saying, hey, how how has your mind changed? It's changed by the Word of God, and you take everything to God in prayer. Instead of talking to your friends about your worries, have you talked to God about them? Instead of posting about your struggle and how the struggle is real online, if that's still a thing, I don't even know. Have you told God about your struggle? Well, that's not as flashy, because you don't have God going, oh, you poor thing, I'm going to pray for you, like you will with other people. But God's the one that can solve it. I don't know what you're facing, what you're living with. I remember the times when when, when, uh, uh, our first child uh, uh, was in the womb. Uh, my wife had placenta previa, and was, you know, the, doctor, the doctor was not very careful about what she said about anything. So she just scared us to death. You can lose a child at any moment, just want you to know. Well, thank you. Thank you for reaching in and rubbing our peace right out of our chest for the next however many weeks. Every time, are you okay? You okay? I'm okay, I'm okay. And we got, we're now we have to, we, we got to where it was just, okay, we just have to give this to God. But the initial shock robbed us of peace, and things like that happen. You know what you do? You take every little worry, every little care, every little problem, every little trial, every thought, everything that comes into your mind that may produce uh, worry or fear, and you take it to God in prayer. And you come before God with thanksgiving, and then you take His Word and you say, now I'm going to dwell on something better than my worries. I'm going to dwell on this. I'm going to get this in me. That's the answer. But I want you to see the last thing tonight, not only the protection of peace in verse 7, the prescription for peace in verse 6, but I want you to see the proof of peace, the proof of peace in verse 5. Now, you can choose to dwell on things that cause you to worry, or you can choose to dwell on things like how big God is, and how great God is, how big His mercy that never fails, His grace. We choose those thoughts. We choose them. But what's the proof? How can we prove there's peace or not? I think this is just an interesting thought from verse number five. Look what it says here, and I'll be done in just a moment. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Now, moderation, where do we use that term? Usually on like a diet, right? Eat in moderation. Eat small portions. Make sure it's in moderation. You got to have the piece of salmon, you know, with the Greek yogurt that no one likes and all that kind of stuff. You know, you got to eat in moderate. But that's not what it means here. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Jesus is coming. Okay, so what's this moderation thing? Here's the interesting thing. The word moderation means gentleness. It means gentleness. That's interesting. That verse seems like it does not fit. But can I tell you, it fits perfectly. Let me explain why. Gentleness outwardly is a sign of peace inwardly. Gentleness outwardly is a sign of peace inwardly. You know, your testimony can suffer if you don't have peace. Why? Because what's the opposite of gentle? Harsh. 
You know any harsh people? Have people treated you harshly this week? You know what they're saying to you when they treat you harshly? I don't have peace. You know what you're saying when you come home and you may say something to your wife or to your kids or, or even at school to your classmates or whatever? You know what you're saying when you come through and you say something harsh? What you're saying is, I don't have peace. Something is going on. There's no peace. Our kids, we, you know, uh, when you give them a bath, you know, when they're kids, we don't use the same shampoo. You know why? It's harsh. That stuff gets into your eyes and it just burns and, and hurts so bad. What do we use? We use something gentle. We use the tear-free, you know, Johnson and Johnson's like everybody else has ever used, you know. Why? Because we want something gentle. But if your peace, is, your gentleness is going to be known unto all men, it, and by the way, it will be. But what is it revealing? It's revealing if you have peace or not. Let your gentleness be known. Let others see and hear peaceful things from you. Not being a fake, not being a phony. I, I get it. Sometimes you're just having a bad day. I get it. But what you're saying is, there's proof that I don't have peace because I'm treating people harshly. Oftentimes, you know, in church they say that as people get older, they either sour or sweeten. And you know some people, and probably you don't have any in your church, that as they get older, there's a sourness to them. And then some people as they get older, like my grandmother was the nicest lady you'd ever meet in your entire life. She just sweetened more and more and more. And, and you know what? I find that, that it, it's, it's a testimony for the world to see, does a Christian have peace? And if a Christian is being harsh at work and being harsh with their kids and being harsh with other people, you know what it's telling the world? Man, they're no different than me because I got no peace and look at theirs. They, got it. they don't have it either. But that gentleness that you show is the proof that there's peace inside. You should not be a volcano ready to erupt at any moment. That says there's no peace. When those emotions are so close to the surface, there's no peace to push them down. I close with this story. There was, I heard, a, I heard a, a story. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it doesn't matter because it's just an illustration. I heard the story of a contest that went out about 100 years ago. I think it was a true story. Uh, for the picture, uh, for the, the perfect picture of peace. And they wanted artists to draw the perfect picture of peace. What would it look like? What would peace look like? And so they said, we want you to draw, and you can enter them. And artists from everywhere began to paint these pictures of, of what they thought perfect peace looked like. They, I mean, they came from all over the world to this spot to paint them. So the day came to judge these paintings, and, and they uncovered them one by one. And as they uncovered them, I mean, the viewers were like, man, that's, that is the most beautiful picture. They'd go to the next one. It was even more beautiful. And it just went through all of these, and people were clapping. You, know, you saw some with, like, peaceful little river. You know, uh, the still lake, no one moving, nothing moving on the lake, you know. And there's only two pictures that remained. And, and the first one that they took over and, and, and they took the cover off was one of those pictures with this still, still perfect lake. Not a ripple in sight. Beautiful trees coming over that lake. You know, it just looked like the perfect picture of peace. Little flock of sheep off to one side. And then the second picture was uncovered. The last picture Everyone in the audience that was watching these artists display their work gasped, gasped in surprise. They couldn't believe what they were seeing because the picture was not what they expected. And they began to ask themselves, could this really be a picture of what peace is? What was the picture? 
The picture was of a thundering waterfall. A thundering waterfall cascading over jagged rocks, over this big, huge area with all these rocks sticking up. There were storm clouds in the sky and lightning shooting through the clouds. It was a picture that depicted thunder and wind and rain. And in the middle of that picture, there was this little tree that was hanging on the rocks that was, lift, that was coming off the side over the waterfall. And this little bitty tree that was hanging right over the waterfall, one of the branches reached out right above those rushing waters. And on that branch, a little bird had built a nest. And there was that mama bird in the elbow of that tree sitting on her eggs with her eyes closed. That was the picture that won the competition of what perfect peace is like. So how, what does that tell us? The, the peace that Jesus can give you is not the absence of trouble or storms or trials. It is the confidence that Jesus is there with you and that Jesus is in control. That's the confidence of what peace is. Doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. Doesn't mean there's not going to be the jagged places of life, rushing waters. What it, and it doesn't mean that you're not in a precarious position. What peace is, is not affected by all that because you have confidence in a great God to get you through it. I wonder tonight, I don't know if you need the message, but I wonder, could you say you have peace? People say all the time, you know, God's given me peace about this. Well, I don't have peace about this. We talk about decisions, but do we live with peace? And maybe tonight, God's just working on you saying, you've been worried about this and this and this and this, and you need to give them to me. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.